That's what happened with me and my therapist. Yeah. But I think I was just like defensive the entire time. Where? Yeah. When? Where was this? I went to my therapist at school, uh-huh. and uh, I made her laugh a lot. Uh-huh. I don't know. I probably told you the story. I've told you the story. It's yeah. And basically, I I made her laugh so much that at the end of the whole thing, she was like, "Oh, you're so funny." And I was like, "Yeah," but I had also told her over the course of that afternoon that I use humor as a defense mechanism. So it was kind of weird when my therapist was very, and she was very kind and very. She she enjoyed spending time with me because of my defense mechanism. So I didn't. I don't know if I made any progress. But yeah, that, that's something that happened. But yeah, but it's really nice when you can. We don't need to use sopranos from the. <laughs> we don't need to use sopranos and apply it to your real life. Or so, not. Sopranos is so good. Sopranos is the greatest show of all time. Okay, I'm 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 gonna keep How I Met Your Mother out of this. Otherwise, Sopranos is just the greatest show of all time. Okay, if you if you disagree, you're wrong. I don't want your opinion. You're wrong. I would say Modern Family. You like Modern Family? <laughs> it's Modern wholesome family. entertainment. Okay. <laughs> okay. I agree. I was, I was wholesome entertainment. Bob Ross is the coach show, but like me myself, as a as a avid fan of fantasy and politics. <laughs> oh, and I wonder where this is going. Fantasy and politics, and just general escaping into a world that's new but also has its own distinct language in Dothraki. Yeah. And we don't talk about those here. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> do we? We, no, I don't think exactly. so. I, like, yo, wholesome <laughs> show. Our, sad, our sadness is literary. Exactly, it's it's supposed to be beautiful, you know. It's supposed to be artistic. It's it's the reason why Melancholy. you like the show. Melancholy. Melancholy is such a nice word. It's it's one of the best words. Okay, I don't, I don't know many words. Actually, I know quite a few words. <laughs> but melancholy. Someone is Someone else knows the best words. Yeah, true. It's me. It's me. Anyways, Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, one of the greatest show of all time. One of the greatest book series of all time. I just hope George R. R. Martin can finish his book as fast as possible. No pressure on him though, because pressure is the last thing that you want on his head when he's. So welcome writing. to the seven hundred Game of Thrones podcast. But I honestly do feel Game of Thrones and I, I, season four. Season four is when the last time it was good. Then it just went downhill. Yeah, yeah. read as someone who's never watched. But yeah, but it. it's it's true. Also, I think it's essential for uh, us to share stories, like not just opinions. Like I told my therapist story. You have, the point is to integrate stories into it. This is just an aside corner. Cut this part out when yeah, you're editing it. Yeah. But like you have to keep it moving by telling stories about your life or your opinions. You can't just like go from question to question. I feel cool. Yeah, it's a cool opinion. I I agree. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I if it's hard to say stories when you don't have stories. Why do you think you have no stories about your life? No, like, I do, but like, it's, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't come up to you exactly, though. It but doesn't come up to me exactly. You like, don't feel an urge, like, you don't, like, whenever I'm talking no, to no. someone, it takes me really, like, very quickly, I just want to tell them stories, because that's literally all I have. That's because you're a guy who wants to have a career of writing stories. Oh. And. Is that not like you, like that for no, you? I don't, I don't think it, it like, I mean, some, some events are more connected to the past than, like, others, but. Like I don't think I can just come up with a story like that. Though. It's, it's no, but don't the things you talk about in general in situations like this kind of get your brain working about like all situations like this that have ha- that have happened before and don't you feel a connection to kind of retell them? Some of them, but not all. Of them. But you, I've not heard you do many. Like the only, I don't know. This is so bad. We have to talk about something else. Yeah, he held hands. Yeah, I had I had I held hands in seventh grade. That was fun. Okay, see, that's okay, except you're not giving me any background. That's the story. Oh, okay. You're giving me a one-liner. That's like, you've got the hook to your essay, but you can't not, like, write the rest of the essay. So I need to tell who I had held the hands with, where did it happen, 
How Welcome to Writing Center podcast version. <laughs> okay, that's I it's fair enough. I will try my best. And you too. Or, or at least bring up some Can I tell stories. No, you don't. Don't I? In conversation I do. Yeah, but why, why aren't you why aren't you relaxing? You're supposed to be like is this making it hard for you to relax? What? No, it is it isn't. I'm I'm trying to be nice. Okay, <laughs> so because I thought you weren't participating for things, you know. No, no, no. no. I'm, I was listening to Petro. Mm-hmm. I'm a good listener. Yeah, but that's not the point. You can't be a good listener. If you're a good listener or a podcast, it's silence. Question. <laughs> How much detail is too much detail? No, there is no too much detail. You go in. Um, it's about filling. It's about content. We have to. This is content. This is the job we're supposed to be comfortable talking. Imagine this is your therapist. Holding hands is not too much detail. No. Why can't you just okay. imagine this like a therapist? It's so soothing. Like you can just talk. I would just sit in a room and talk to a mic all day, honestly. Not a Mr. Mic, like a literal microphone. Yeah, I figured. I would be so relaxing, honestly. I think I'll do that. That's probably like... If I, okay, if I have to... Okay, if I think this is my therapist, right? I think I would... <laughs> I would talk about Game of Thrones with my therapist as well. Because it's easy to talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah, but... Okay, yeah, never mind. No, 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 no. Like, go, go, say what you're saying. I, I want, like... No, no, no. I don't, I don't, like... I find it hard to articulate, like, is something so, for me, disingenuous about not involving yourself in a conversation personally mm-hmm. when you're trying to talk. Mm-hmm. Like, if I expect people to listen to me talk about things, I'm going to talk about the thing I know the most about, yeah. which is my own life. And I and I feel that even, like, an interesting podcast or an interesting story is one where you you might be you know talking about your interest in likes but i think it's important to talk about what's informing that like if i want to talk about why i like game of thrones and i want to talk about how i read greek, greek myths as a child and the first thing i ever wrote was a story about gods and how i wrote oh there was this dude and he did something and the and i created this whole mythology of like gods and he was like and the gods were like oh what do you want and then he was like oh i want a wife and kids and my mother read that and she was like he laughed so hard and I was like, why are you laughing? And I realized he wanted kids. He was, I was nine and I said he wanted a wife so he could have kids because I was very in this, you know, the canon of Greek myths where, oh, this dude, this, that thing. And then he had a wife and like, you know, Achilles and shit like that. So like when I'm saying uh, Game of Thrones, I just feel that you have to go like psychoanalyze yourself. I think I just do it reflexively, but I think that's what makes stories interesting because otherwise anyone could say they like Game of Thrones. Yeah. But what, why is it connected to you liking it? I feel that's how you reach yeah. that. Interesting. Okay, I shall. I shall try to do that. <laughs> when I moved to a new city, I went to school, and my class teacher in kindergarten was the same person who used to teach me after, like tuition after school, because nepotism or something like that. I don't know the right word because we paid her to. Anyway, and she came for a week, I think, teaching me different words for a spelling tests that she would administer in class. Then at the end of the week, and I learned all these words, and it was like just memorization because that's how education works in certain parts of the world and then I went and gave the test and there were like 15 words and I got one right one right after like after the point the conflict of interest as a, as a term was invented for situations like mine where the teacher giving the test was the same teacher teaching me the words and I got one word right and the word was star and as I was walking out of the classroom she came up to me and said here's your paper this is how much you scored go show your parents and be, be ashamed that's what she basically said and I was bad at English as well. Like, I had nothing. I was in a new place with a new language, and I didn't know math. I didn't know anything. And I, I thought, I didn't have English. I don't know how I communicated. Looking back, how do children communicate? Like, it's so confusing. 
I didn't know the local language and I didn't know English. So how did I make friends? Right? You can't do that when you're 18. You can't walk in basically a dem dumb, not a dem. A Democrat <laughs> is different. You can't, you can't just walk into a place and be basically dumb and then end up being friends because why? We're both mutually excited at the sight of, you know, basic things like food or a playground. Oh, let's just run together and now we're friends. You can't do that when you're 18. That Someone comes up and says, okay, sir, sir, get away from the park. Get away from the kids. To be fair, two weeks ago, me and Prejwal got mutually excited at the sight of a water gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we, this was, it was like the most precious, wholesome moment yeah. we've ever shared. We, we saw a water gun. Yeah, we, we, we almost bought it. It would have been fun, right? We should have bought it. Yeah. But we, we, you would have judged us. That's some primary reason. <laughs> yeah. But you were a representative of everyone. Yeah. You were the love item. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, strong reference. <laughs> you just go, wow, take it there. Where do you see a water gun? You go to a mall? Yeah, we just we're just going there. For, oh yeah, we're going there for. Um, yeah, we went to Tesco for yeah for shopping and um um. When they're shopping, we're doing like household grocery. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we um, went there to search yeah, for laundry I, I, bag. I recently moved places. Um, and oh, I laundry bag. <laughs> this is so domestic right now. There's something so soothing about domesticity. Have you ironed clothes? Because I ironed clothes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Back in the day when I arrived at university for the first two weeks, I did. Yeah, I, I, I never did. Um, which is kinda, I mean, I don't wear clothes that need ironing. Like right now, I'm here in like a t-shirt and shorts, and that's usually what I wear. <laughs> you can see, you can tell. Yeah. No, but there's something in this. Um, yeah, I mean, all of us are wearing t-shirts, but there's something so soothing about domestic chores and stuff like that. Like you can just go into autopilot and feel so wholesome. Like, don't you think that? Yeah, yeah I like doing the dishes no, is kind of similar no, to me. No, I, I completely do not feel that. What do you feel? I like domestic chores and their the the simple repetitiveness of it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I like I can't do anything that does not involve my laptop or that does not involve a book or another human being repetitively oh. without wanting to kill myself. Oh, okay. Well, I feel for me, there's always an undercurrent of wanting to kill myself. It's it's more just there's there's happiness in like the little things for me. Undercurrent? It's it's an overcurrent. Is that a word? Is overcurrent yes. a word? And we can we can quit new words. Yeah. You know? yeah. What's that thing called? Neologism. That's what it's called, right? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. Asking both of us. No, this reminds me. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, talking about repetitiveness, I have a story to tell. Ooh. Uh, this is very rare. It never indeed, happens. Indeed. 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 No. Anyways, um, so the thing is, my parents were both working, like, parents, right? So, they'd yeah. be out of the house, like, most of the time. Uh, so, like, as a child, I would, I was, like, I would do nothing. I would just, like, you know, come back home. I'd be alone. I'd, so, what's changed? I'd watch <laughs> everything change. Anyways, um, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, anyways, my mom had to stay extra hours when I was in seventh grade. So, um... Even though she didn't really tell me to, like, you know, do this and do that, I can sort of see that she had, like, extra extra stuff in her plane that, plate that then that she should probably have to. And I felt this, I don't know, I just felt like I had to help her and, like, do what I probably could do. Um, and so, I, 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 I don't know, I sort of, like, grew into liking doing dishes while listening to something music or podcast or you know audiobook or stuff like that um but i initially hated it but i i don't know I, I just tried to do my best but then again it was the beginning so i couldn't really 
you know, like do as well as she would have wanted to. Uh, and so sometimes I would do it and she'd be like, oh yeah, that's great. Like, you know, good job. And then she would do the dishes herself again because I wasn't yeah. really doing it properly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I don't know, I like, I just kind of felt uh, yeah. sad sometimes. Um, but yeah, yeah. But basically, I, I, I like doing chores because it reminds me that I'm helping my mom in a way, which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly why I don't like doing chores because it reminds me of how you know. That's exactly why I don't like doing chores because you know it reminds me of how I'm not helping my mom by messing it all up. <laughs> because whenever I do chores, my mom has to do more work, which is also a very convenient excuse to no, to myself and you yeah. know to listeners of this podcast. But yeah, actually, I I actually do like doing dishes because. They're complex, but not too complex. Yeah. But, you know, you, you, it's like a challenge, oh, that great spot. Yeah. And then, yeah, eventually it gets boring apart uh, after, you know, 15 seconds. I like, I like the feel of the sponge and the water and just splashes around. Yeah. It's nice. And so, you know, in, um, over the last two years, we had a really small kitchen. So whenever I would do the dishes, splashes on the ground meant to flood into oh. the living room. So, you know, that was sad. Yeah, I remember, well, I have distinct memories of trying to iron a piece of clothing when I was a kid because I thought I was doing everyone a huge favor, but I was doing it on the floor and it was a thin (laughs) silk scarf and my mother saw me and she was like, dude, no. And I was so, I was so ashamed that I didn't try, I, I kind of avoided doing work. I mean, it's... It's the thing about how you, it is an excuse, I feel, when you come up with the reason saying I'd make things worse. But it's also, it comes from a good place. But then, I don't know, there's something about parenthood that confuses me. In that you're supposed to, you're supposed to want that your kid to like be independent and all that. But then you're also supposed to kind of let them be dependent because that's why you're a parent. And there's that contradiction and it's so confusing about, like, either you do too much or you do too little. You let your kid do too much, you let them do too little. And it's like they'll end up kind of screwed up either way. Because you can't really have moderation, can you? Because there's no guidebook saying seven hours a day you can allow them to do this. And 13 hours a day you can allow them to do that. Or like two hours a day they can... Like, it's it's just so trial and error. And it's so... It's so scary, I feel. Because you never know what you're doing to your kid and screwing them up or, like, making them bad. And I, I bet, like, ironing a silk scarf on a floor wasn't the best idea, but I was it was coming from a place of good intentions, and I wasn't scolded. I was just... It was just... I didn't want to do ironing for many years after that because I felt like I was doing something so inherently wrong. And to a mind of a kid where they idealize their parents for so long, so little can have such huge impacts. I mean, I'm not trying to be a Freud fanboy, but your early age does have such an influence on how you end up. And you never know why you like or dislike something and then until you think about it. And sometimes you don't remember, but when you do remember, it's just like, it's so, it's so paralyzing to realize how little can have, like, it's like a, like a small little splash having ripples that, permeate across your entire life and completely shape what you're comfortable doing and what you're not like i had a friend uh who who as a kid would be told that uh eating a bitter gourd was like something that's amazing and she ate bitter gourd all the time and when she grew up it became comfort food it tastes disgusting 
But just just because she had access to it when she did. But yeah, man. I mean, some people's taste is you know. Yeah. Um. So, Mr. Um. Um. um <laughs> <laughs> Gum forgot the oh, other guy's uh, name again. Yeah. Apologies, um, Louis. We just met, so it's hard to remember your name, and it's hard to remember my point. So, uh, yeah, I've been in for quite a while there. I confused myself. Uh, we don't know domesticity. Yeah, yeah I think like, like I kind of agree with Louis in the fact that like your parents do make a difference into like you know your what you like and your confidence and all that stuff. But again, I like for me at least, I don't think my parents had such a big impact on me because mostly because they were not like. No, I'm not gonna say they were not there because they were there, but they they were both working parents. So I I used to spend most of my time with um my grandparents. They were like basically my house was right next to my grandparents' house, right? So like I used to like most of my time was spent with my grandparents and my uncles and aunts. Uh, and it was I don't know. I I feel like it is true to an extent that that your parents do play an, a big part in your life. Of course, they are the ones who tell you to, what to do, what not to do, and all that stuff. But then again. For me, at least, I feel like my parents were. I think my grandparents had a more impact on me than exactly my parents. Um, and I, I, I don't think I can recall like an extent to which they shaped who I was. I feel like um, because I, I spend a lot of time alone, right? I spend a lot of time with computer or you know playing games or I don't know doing like reading or something like that. Um, that at least I would like to think that I. In a sense, made like myself. I I I was into the things that I'm into because, like, I liked it or I enjoyed it or something like that. Um, yeah. What's your opinion on this? Yeah, Gump. yeah, that's an interesting point. Like, I think that, especially in you know, working families, parent is such a complicated term. Like, because. For example, you you said your grandparents had a bigger influence on you than your parents, right? And I find it interesting. The parent is only someone who gave biological birth to you, and what society regards as you know your guardians. When there are so many other individuals who could have just as, as big of an impact on you as your parent. But personally, from my side, I think yeah, I think uh, Mr. Um, Louis is completely correct in saying. Uh, that the role of parents is, you know, because I, I see myself, and even now I find myself that, you know, I'm really similar to my mother, and part of that's related to my upbringing, because, you know, she raised me as a single child, and sometimes I think I'm too similar. Like, we have the same interests, except for, like, sports and all. And, like, even my interests that are different from hers, they act, I can, like, really see a direct line from, on those, the emergence of those interests was almost a, an act of, you know, a small act of revolt. They'd always be yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't have much of that reaction. Except, like, I didn't have it... In, I haven't had much of it recently, but as a kid, I used to have a lot of it. Where I'd be like, you know, my mom doesn't like sports, so, you know, let me watch some cricket. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. Like, I'll eat anything, but one thing I won't eat is, you know, Chinese food. Because my mom loves Chinese food. Yeah, and otherwise, in like personality-wise, I'm very similar to her. So, yeah. it's like I guess when you're thrown into a world, you need points of reference, and that's what like parents or whoever play, plays that role in your life just becomes what you 
make the world relative true. Like you're always, it's like the, they, it's like you're revolving around a particular point that is the lens through which you're supposed to look at things. And what's interesting about the the book about Catcher in the Rye is the complete absence of the parent almost. Oh, yeah, the book. Mm, and it's book. and it's so curious. I feel. I don't know, it's such an angsty teenage book, but there's this, like, in, like, there's this idea of, like, the absent parent that's so, it's like he's always looking for, he, he, la- his older brother, does he have an older, no, he's a, he's an older brother, I'm getting it mixed up with Perks of being a wallflower, but I, like, the teenage rebellion, the angst comes from this inability to just take your parents' word as gospel anymore, right? And there's this part in Steve jo- Jobs' uh, biography where he says, he, he was explaining his like to his dad the way something worked and his dad was like that's not possible and then he said i realized that they that i was smarter than my dad and that was such a it was such a revolutionary like internally it was like so shaking for me to read as well because it's like god is dead like in the sense that you yeah. and it's you realize that you're completely responsible for yourself cuz your 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 own paradigm. You don't exist within another kind of. You're not penned in anymore. And I feel adulthood for me recently has just been realizing that if I screw up, I'm accountable to myself and not mediated. That accountability is not mediated through a figure who's there to protect me. And that's really scary because it's like staring into an abyss and realizing that you don't have a rope around your um, waist. Like you you just you're jumping and you don't have like you're bungee jumping without any harness. And there is a chance that you'll be able to come back out, but it's more about learning to fly on the drop. And that's that's scary. You see, I feel kind of differently because mm-hmm. I feel the harness is still on. Okay. At least, like, you know, coming from, like, I, my mom used to say this all the time as a kid that, you know, because she knew how much, like, I loved her and shit and how I didn't, you know, really care about what people thought of me. So she would always tell me that, you know, if you don't, if you start behaving this way then people will blame me they won't blame you because that's and i still think of that because that's also the culture we that i grew up in where especially if you're a boy it's never your fault it's always the fault of you know your parents the fault of your upbringing and yeah that it sort of it puts the harness back on but it also adds an additional responsibility where you're not your actions are not only indicative of your own personality mm-hmm. but they're also you know you're sort of representing your family. And then when you go to an international setting, you're also representing your culture and your country. Yeah. That idea of responsibility. That's, that's like, you know, the fact that you have to be representative of anything. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just so, it's, it's so alienating sometimes. I feel. Yeah. yeah, I, 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 It's alienating, but. but it's like, you just kind of have to deal with it. Like looking at it from the point of view of how, it's it's like if someone's a criminal i mean you're not supposed to go and arrest the parents but it's all it's almost like a double standard because so much of so much of the way you're of the way you're perceived in society is directly attributed to your, your parental figures or the environment you grew up in but the environment is never a defense yeah yeah, yeah. and yet it's it's so the judge the judgments that are made upon the people closest to you it's like sometimes it would just be easier if you could just say, yeah, if I screw up, it's not like 14 generations of my family screwing up. It's just me. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think like that. I think that's what scares like me personally of like raising someone or being a parent is that like I know that I play a big impact in their lives, right? And like whatever they turn up to be, like even though I try my best and like I don't know, I I even if I do everything right and if they turn up wrong, I like the amount of um I don't know, like the the bad feelings that I'm gonna feel. It's 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 just like you know a person who who's a criminal their parents must feel like really shitty right because yeah, yeah, yeah. like even though they did nothing wrong they will look back at what they did and like sort of try to see where they went wrong and even if it's something right it's just it just affects you yeah, yeah, yeah. and like regardless of what other people say or judge about it, you you yourself are going to be judging yourself and you're going to be harsh on yourself yeah. and that's what is really scary about you know, parenthood and affecting a child, I guess. Because I, I have young um, cousins who are like five and six year old. And I just, I don't know, I try to, I want to be a positive influence in life. But then again, I just don't, I don't want to affect them in a way that I think will harm them. Right. So it's like, it's straddling the line between like being there for them and like knowing what you're doing to them. completely identify with that because like almost every decision I make in my life that is someone important and like that's I think of you know how I think of what my mother would think about it and I would think I think about what other people would think about my mother like allowing it to happen and you know it's, it's not a result of parental pressure I seem I feel because you know she never told me like I always can make my decisions decisions by myself but it's also, you know, just a representative of the care that I have for her and the fact that, you know, you don't want to. Like, sometimes, you know, I think about alcohol and shit. And then I think about... My mother always said that, you know, I can have alcohol whenever I want as long as it's legal. But I think... It, I always think that there'll be a small sense of her that'll be disappointing. I don't want to disappoint that small sense. And it's the pleasure that I get for like a few hours worth it compared to the disappointment that she'll feel inside. And I don't even know if she'll feel disappointed, but it's the fear of that disappointment, which, you know, scares me. Yeah. I, 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 I get that. I feel it's different for different people. Yeah. What you think that like, cause I, I feel that you get a sense of the things that would be things that your parents would be kind of, disappointed about i feel it's different and different issues for me it's like when i spend money or something like that there's always like even if it's something i want and i spend money quite haphazardly for most of the time but there's always really yes i do in fact but it's also coming from a position of me wanting to get the best deals or me wanting to get the most out of something but it's also the, the problem of want being a consumerist and also being the perpetually after like you know the most for the least or like the best for the least it's always about make bang for your buck in some sense but it's just i feel it's a lot reactionary to the fact that my parents were always very careful about what they spend their money on and then i i need i need an i, need, I feel the need to kind of go overboard and then quickly feel terrible about it but then it's just i guess it's also about the threshold like if you for example ever did reach a point about where you would drink too much then you would probably 
I guess if you start pushing that boundary, you can start pushing it really far. Yeah. And you can you can just and then it becomes like a vicious cycle of self-hate and you keep doing it and you keep self-hating. So it's really good that you don't cross it initially. But then I realized that for example for me alcohol isn't one of those things. Yeah. But then buying things is and when I cancel my trip going somewhere, I realized that it's all my money and it's money that I've kind of it's mine because I've worked towards a position where I have it. So you've earned it. Yeah, and I don't like saying that. It just feels wrong to say that because I haven't. I don't really work, and I don't. I, I don't think I can say that. Like you guys work, you can say that, but I don't think I earned this in that sense. But it's also this. Sometimes this guy's a fucking. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's technically you. No, it's it's not. Yeah, it's not yeah. like that. It's not like that because I'm not doing work for it. I just got lucky. No, 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 no. no we need to correct that. No, because you don't come up with that shit. No, it's no. Honestly, uh, though, I feel that no. This is about me making a point, not about you being a self help group. No, <laughs> this is no. It's not therapy. I can't afford therapy. That's why this is here. No, it's it's basically the. It's just you feel like our producers really enjoy a waste. <laughs> a waste is like a waste. Yeah, exactly. A waste. I think is the best word for why I feel. Like, you don't want to be a waste in your life. Like, that's what you don't want to do. And, like, what what constitutes a waste is very dependent upon what... Expect- it's like your expectations on your parents' expectations. Like, how you would... It's, it's so much... We empathize too much with them, dude. And it's not even them. It's our ideas of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's... You don't want to be Rajon Rondo and the 2019 Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really don't want to be him because you want to sit with the rest of your team, you know. But I guess you don't want to be LeBron James either, no way. Because yeah. there's that. Uh, you want to play some defense, Noah. Yeah. Be a team player. Yeah, you want you want to do something that's good for your team instead of being a selfish asshole. Oh, after the commercial break, we'll be back with Skip Bayless. <laughs> no, but what's interesting about LeBron James is there's the, one of those montages on YouTube which says, or, or, which has this clip from a news report or something, or news reporter saying that. LeBron James became such a good man, at least in terms of what, how, what he's done for society, without having a good man to look up to in his life. And yeah. if you, mm. and I don't know, that's. I think LeBron had like, I mean, he he didn't have a father, but he did have like high school coaches and stuff that apparently helped him a lot in his life. And I, I watched the documentary again. I think I think it's it's like that's the thing with all of us. We might not have people that inherently like you know like fathers who we look up to but i think we there's like this inherent like nature in us that like makes us look up to some people and it just we just do it instinctively even if we don't naturally have one because it's you need like i feel like you need a person to look up to because it just it it then and without that person you can't really accomplish much in your life because you need that motivational figure you need that person to look up to and be like okay i want to be like them yeah. And some of us, I mean, I feel like people sort of like don't go away, like are unsuccessful or like, I don't know how you define success, but like they don't reach their potential because they misplace that, yeah. that like figure that they look up to. Um, and yeah, I've been lucky that like the person that I look up to mostly has been uh, probably my father or my uh, uncle. And no, no. It's like the opposite of the spectrum. It's like people you don't look, I don't know, people look you look upon. down upon. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, it's like, because 
again, I dark there. <laughs> this is also the world's longest insult. <laughs> you don't look up to? Like, no, yeah. yeah, you were saying? Yeah. Um, I feel like my uncle has played a bigger part in my life than my father because um, he has... Like, my father... Like, I didn't really get to see him that often because of work and stuff like that. But um, he... Like, my dad played a big part in my education. He would always be, like, you know... He wouldn't put pressure on me, but he'd be, like... He basically instill this like love of like science and science stuff because he's in that field as well uh, but my uncle was like the person who like my most of my interest that I have right now can be traced back to my uncle introducing it to me and I feel like my character has more to do with how much he affected me as a child than um, my dad but yeah I mean I feel I've been my entire life, be too intensely aware of the feelings of the people I want to look up to. And it's just so much, so much disappointment about anyone I've ever wanted to have as a role model. And I think that's affected the way I, I can ever look at myself, in a sense. It's just, what, what if you hate your hero? And, I mean, they're still your hero, but you hate them. And what, what's the best you can hope for yourself? You want to be like your hero, but then you hate yourself. And that's not a healthy way of living, but I guess the problem again with, you know, growing up is that once that's set in your head, I really don't think it ever goes away. I think you can try really hard to tell yourself that you can change, but you don't really change. It's like how every novelist writes the same book, every single new book they release, because they've got one story to tell, just tell different ways. And I feel it's, it's quite unfortunate. And I, I think I, I always inform Every, like everything I do is always going to be within that mindset of knowing that everyone's all too human. That's why there's this episode of BoJack Horseman where it's that's a good show. Don't don't <laughs> don't smirk. No, no, <laughs> but there's this episode where this man who's like sexually assaulted someone has to deal with the women in his life. You know, having this these discussions, having to negotiate the fact that someone they love is. A criminal is a terrible human being. It is morally corrupt. Because morally corrupt people can be wonderful people as well. And it's so hard to negotiate the fact that you love someone who has done and caused terrible pain. And I don't know. How, how do you negotiate? How do you deal with that? How do you do? How do you know? How do you live knowing that all your heroes have hurt people at some points in their life? And how do you not become one of those people? Because I'm nice to a lot of people and I'm shitty to more people than that. And the people I'm nice to think I'm amazing. I don't want them to know how badly I just people really exist. <laughs> no, but I don't want them to know that I'm bad and I've been a terrible human being to other people. But it's just it's so it's so hard to box anyone in, and you, you can't just hate someone. It's so hard to just hate them because there's always going to be something more. It's always complexity in the way you look at people. I don't know how do, how 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 do you manage that on a daily basis? Like. I mean, you you were talking about this on the last podcast too, and I'm thinking about it. Isn't life just you know a combination of how you want other people to feel about you and how you feel about other people? Like it's it's just a combination of trying to impress everyone, and your life depends on how you prioritize one person over the other. Like every decision we make, it's should we make this person happy or should we make this person happy? And even if we're trying to make ourselves happy, are we doing that because we want to make ourselves happy, or do we want to show other people that we're happy. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I completely agree with role models and all. Even, like, 
in university, sometimes I like see this person, I admire them, I admire the work that they do, and then I want to, you know, I want, I want to be like them, and I want them to think that to respect me in a way, and that, and we forget that you said that a lot of these people, have, a lot of, almost all, I mean, every person has done some horrible thing in their lives. And obviously some are far more horrible than others, but we fail to recognize our faults. And like, even with sports, like, uh, Louis will never admit that LeBron ever missed a defensive possession, but he has. And I mean, that's part of what I love about sports. It reminds you of human nature. So flawed. Yeah. I think, I think sports in general, like, they're a big extension of, like, the human experience. Like, you fail and you rise up, or you fail and you continue on failing. And it's just, like, it depends upon many factors. Like, you know, you can make a bad trade and that's it. You can, like, start using meth and that's it. Um, like, of course, you can... You can Nasty different things. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we... Line of thoughts is still justified. Yeah. Still um, stands. Like you can you can get lucky and like you can be interested in something from a beginning and you there's this passion in you that's just there and you lead a successful life that's like drafting Curry, Draymond and Clay. But then again you might draft I don't know Mark uh Mark <laughs> <laughs> and Yeah. Because on paper they look amazing. Yeah. yeah. But not doesn't fucking matter, does it? Because then you have a Damien Lillard come up from, like, where the fuck was he on the draft? And suddenly... He's he's not, <laughs> he was like, hey, hey, when you're used to LeBron's, then you don't really know what you're talking about. It's six who looks that far. Sure. Red's line about using, uh, about comparing meth and a bad trade is going to be in part of a piece, you know. The problematic beginning of So Sad. <laughs> but, but this one thing, this reminds me of how... Slater Box. <laughs> no, but this reminds me of that time when they were having this interview this like actor was being interviewed and the person was like so how did you get famous and then someone else was like don't ask the successful actor how, how it's like oh, to yeah. be famous because they're the exception to the rule they're the lottery winners you don't tell a lottery ask a lottery winner for investment advice <laughs> my lottery tickets this is completely plagiarized from somewhere I'm not it sure was, where it was, it was Bo Burnham on Conan oh wow Bo Burnham on Conan yeah. Jesus Christ I, used to, I, I like how we always return to the central center of our university <laughs> obviously Bo Burnham I don't really like hot take I don't like Bo Burnham that much I think we were just crushing the over on the over under I did on Bo Burnham <laughs> Is it seven? Okay, now we stop. Now I had to get to the seven. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, that was. But I guess the main takeaway from this whole conversation about parenthood that began with books and angst and just being okay, being inadequate. I don't think you can be okay, but just inadequacy in everything, including yourself, is fundamentally life is so fucking sad. It's sad. Is it though? Is it? It's sad. Tune in next week to find out. Next week? This podcast tomorrow. We're, we're, we're sad enough to more make one tomorrow. This podcast was sponsored by Twix and Starbucks. So Twix? Things, Twix, you retard. No, but it's, if you're talking about sponsors. No one sponsored us. No, we didn't. Okay. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Let me what's finish. the thing called? Audi, what's the place where Audible. 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 Audible was sponsored. That's too mainstream. Okay, no. We're, we're, we're sponsored <laughs> by Twix and Starbucks because that's what keeps me awake. Ah, uh, yes. Because those are not mainstream at all. 
Okay, cool. Brought to you by Brought to you by Red and Louise Falling Marriage Feeling Marriage Marriage is A mistake Should we adopt? I want a divorce Only child Only child and lonely child Oh wait, we're all only children Only children Yeah Shit, that's kind of sad So whatever you think about why this podcast was made Go back to that fact It always goes back to the issues As centers of attention in the lives of our families and the fact that we also know that our families didn't want anyone else because first time was terrible enough. Okay. <laughs> was it though? Uh-huh. Yeah, um, quick note. This, record- this recording is only mono. Yeah, that- it's supposed to be only mono. Oh, cool.